HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit internationalculinarycenter.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, hey, you're listening to Eat Your Words on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Irway, and I'm back after a summer of uh, guest hosting and and much f- summer frolicking. Uh, <laughs> and it's really, uh, I think, appropriate to have a guest on today who has written a book about general good times. <laughs> general good times, yes. <laughs> and, um, non, and, you know, just a lot of uh, frolicking as if if you could say so. Um, It is a fun book about a really fun product that has a long history in America. It is Moonshine. Yes. And uh, the author of it is Jamie Joyce. She's just written Moonshine, A Cultural History of America's Infamous Liquor. Happy to be here. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining. Yeah. And congrats on the book. Thank you. It is, you know, I love these like sort of single subject food histories. Yeah. And, um, you know, you really took the deep dive into this topic. And at first I was thinking, you know, okay, this totally makes sense. It's kind of like, it's emblematic. It goes hand in hand with this sort of DIY food yep. revolution that we've been seeing, mm-hmm. canning, all these kind of like really American. The mason jar business is really <laughs> flourishing right now between canning and moonshining. I mean, yeah. they're blowing up. Vinegar. you are back. Brewing. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, yeah, I guess, you know, moonshine is like one of those things, too, or home distilling. And then I was like, wait a minute. And as you thoughtfully articulate here and as is shown throughout the stories and the history, moonshine making or any type of spirits making at home is actually illegal. Totally illegal. <laughs> Don't do this at home. We are not recommending this. Although we know that many people probably here nearby in Bushwick are doing so. We, we don't know their names. We won't divulge that. But, I know. Uh, so. <laughs> I bet you do. Don't say anything. Um, in fact, I'm drunk right now. <laughs> no. I'm perfectly sober, Kathy, so it's okay. 
<laughs> right. Actually, one thing that was really interesting learning about the history of moonshine, too, is that we are so not as drunk as America was before Prohibition. And it's a little uh, scary, isn't it? When you think about, yeah, there's um, American drinking culture has has changed quite a bit mm-hmm. over the, yeah. the centuries. Yeah, it, it wasn't just about partying or good times like I was sort of like kind of associating this this book with. And yeah. Like, yeah, the ori- originally, you know, I write in the book about um, colonial America and drinking in colonial America. And in fact, there's a, Sarah Lohman, who has a blog, Four Pounds Flower. She uh, talked about, she did a, spent a day doing Drink Like a Colonial American Day. And she was messed up by <laughs> about like five o'clock. She started with breakfast and she tried to keep pace on what. And there was col- whiskey involved in breakfast, right? Lots of whiskey involved, hard <laughs> cider. Um, this was just part of the culture in colonial times, and one of the reasons for that was because often because whiskey or distilled beverages were cons- and beer considered mm-hmm. much safer than, than water, water because water was often polluted or there was a lot of iron in it, so it just wasn't hmm. wasn't it wouldn't make you yeah. feel good. <laughs> so it was a way of purif- purifying yeah. water exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, and also with some medicinal effects too. There was belief that you well, know. there definitely alcohol was absolutely used as a, as a medicine. Mm-hmm. I mean, for many years, there's some stories in the book about um, a distiller that I met with in Dawson in Dawsonville, Georgia, which is just north of Atlanta, and her grandfather was a very well known moonshine maker in in North Georgia. And so she comes from this family heritage of making illegal booze, making illegal mm-hmm. moonshine which is sort of an oxymoron, illegal moonshine, because that's just what it is. Well, um, it's redundant, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's just okay. illegal. Um, but she said that they would always put, um, they'd use it as medicine, and they'd often put little bits of, like, uh, peppermint candy mm-hmm. in it for the for children. Right. Um, and it was often, you know, one of the distiller there at this moonshine, at this distillery in Georgia, told me that in the 1980s, he took his little daughter to the doctor, and the doctor said, well, Take, give her a little spoonful of moonshine, and, uh. and he said his his wife was fit to be tied. But that's what they did, and it totally worked. Cough suppressant, right? So, mm-hmm. so whiskey, spirits, moonshine had a more everyday, sort of important place in, yeah. in everyday life. Definitely. Then now, if I see somebody take out like a little flask and or like kind of pounding like shots, I'm like, wow, that person is totally out of control. We need like, to get them yeah. to a program, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> Back in the day, we would not be right. thinking that probably. Yeah. So, okay, so moonshine, as opposed to whiskey, mm-hmm. is by definition illegal? Well, moonshine, yes, by its definition, mm-hmm. we're talking about a beverage for which taxes have not been paid. So that was sort of the original, that's the origin of that term. A beverage made by the light of the moon. You made it, okay. make it made in secret in the mm-hmm. backwoods, um, often made out in the woods by a stream. And there's some other f- colorful names for it as well. There, there are quite a few. Hooch? <laughs> Hooch. That, White lightning. <laughs> Hooch is actually a really interesting name because it comes from the Hoochinoo Indians, part of the Tinglet tribe in Alaska. Oh. Um, and so that was what they would call the liquor that they would make, which hmm. they were taught to make from these um, oil, these whaling ship deserters. Um, and they would make it um, a lot of times with oil cans. They would use that as part of the distillation process. Sometimes large pieces of seaweed. There's a kind of seaweed that has a really long tube. Oh, wow. And that was, yeah, like the worm. In your um, in your distillation, well, that's fascinating. Yeah, why isn't wild. anyone doing that right now? I, maybe they are. <laughs> okay, I bet they are in Alaska. Hint, hint. <laughs> Moonshiners. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Great names. Yes. 
so it's illegal, but what else about moonshine that sets sets it aside? So it's not aged. So that's why it's clear. It's clear. It's that. raw. Okay. It's not aged. A lot of times, some people have described it to me as bourbon without the barrel, mm-hmm. whiskey without the okay. wood. So it's a similar process, but you don't kind of take these extra steps after. And this is yeah. for reasons of thrift or, or timeliness. and It's the same process as whiskey. I mean, it is a whiskey. Um, but you're just not aging it. Mm-hmm. So in the 1700s, late 1700s, when farmers were making it in western Pennsylvania, the, they were making a whiskey. They were making a rye whiskey. Mm-hmm. And they, were just, they weren't aging it. Over time, I'm, the exact dates are a little unclear, but um, when they were starting to ship that whiskey in these wooden barrels downriver to New Orleans, it would pick up some color and mm. a little mellowing of the flavor from okay. that from the transit process, and then you started to get more of a, the whiskey that we know today. So doesn't that mean that moonshine is like just not as good? <laughs> <laughs> some people might say that. However, there are many people who see, who think that you know that unaged clear spirit is really sort of the original expression of mm. whiskey. True. So in some ways, it's sort of. Um, you know, there's a real educational twist to that because you're learning what whiskey begins as. You mm. get this original flavor, and there's some that are fantastic. There's a real, really nice um, variety out there, um, and there's certainly lots of brands that are putting out an unaged whiskey today. You know, some of the top makers, Jack Daniels, Jim Beam, um, doing an unaged raw unaged whiskey. They raw might whiskey. call it a white dog, a white liquor. Oh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. So what are like the optimal flavor notes of a of a great moonshine? You know, it depends on um it can be made with different grains. Um it can be made with corn, a moonshine could be made with rye. I know some people are making it with there's a distillery in Nashville that makes it out of quinoa. Corsair distillery does that. Um so it really it, the grain will also um impart a slightly different that is flavor amazing. to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was reading that a lot of like these old old-timey Appalachian moonshiners yeah. of yesteryear were using a lot of sugar to help yes, ferment. Yes, yes. And then sometimes just purely sugar. Pure old sugar. They started to call it sugar shine because uh-huh. it was cheaper, yeah. it was readily available, and what started to happen was that there would be this sugar sales, these sugar companies were thinking, my goodness, you know, our sugar sales are through the roof. What is going on? And would and, and why? Why are all of the sales concentrated in the rural south? Hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's this mm-hmm. story about this sugar executive who takes a train down to um, you know, the uh, southern, re- I think it was in Virginia, and the story was he, he got off the train, he looked around, and he saw that there was just, it was in the evening, and there was smoke coming from the hills, and he realized, oh, those are moonshine stills operating in the mountains. And he just got back on that train and went right back because he figured millions of pounds of sugar were not being used to make cake or pie or for preserving you know, making jellies and jams, it was going into moonshine. So, uh-huh. yep. It's mm-hmm. a good thing. Yeah, well. <laughs> well, it sounds like from, you know, at least modern day perspectives, sugar, using sugar is sort of like not purist. It was like, a you lot of people t- sound, sorry, like they ahead. frown upon that and they're like really pride, proud of using the pure ingredients. Absolutely. Yeah. Sugar is, well, I mean, I have to say there are some, I've seen some moonshines, legal moonshines, you know, they're whiskeys that are marketed as moonshine, mm-hmm. um, but they have 
I've seen a couple that do use sugar. Um, No disparaging what they're doing. I'm sure there's some really good things out there. But that was became the only thing that was happening. Or or not the only thing, but it became um, something that just made money. You could do it quickly. And uh, but weren't there challenges associated with using sugar? Like it'll burn too quickly. You might have bitter tastes. And is something about the flavor being upfront too much? Yeah, yeah, that could certainly be problematic. Mm -hmm. But there were. But because you could make it so quickly and you could purchase it cheaply, mm-hmm. people weren't, I don't think, terribly concerned about that. It was really, <laughs> yeah. um, it's you know, moonshine. yeah, it's like it's cheap okay. liquor. And it was a way to, and honestly, it was a way for people to support families. It wasn't just like, hey, let's have fun and, and make this booze. It was really a way in, the, mm-hmm. in, you know, certainly in the Great Depression and even before that, that people were making liquor to support families in regions of the country where joblessness was a huge problem. So mm-hmm. there are great economic reasons for it as well. Cool. Let's talk a little bit about the corn um, because that seems to be the main al- uh, sorry, grain that is now used yeah. for moonshine. Um, and some of these kind of like new whiskey at, yep. or moonshine producers, like I saw one that you profiled in um, Dawsonville. Dawsonville, Georgia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're very proud of their old-timey corn. <laughs> yes. Um, to quote her, she says, uh, the, the owner, Cheryl Wood, she gets it from a local farmer whose family has supplied North Georgia moonshiners for three generations and malts it herself. Um, yeah, I, I visited the, that distillery in, in Dawsonville and took a tour of the, um, the back room. And, and she's got these trays set out with, you know, they sort of look like, um, it's almost like a, like a baker's rack almost mm-hmm. with, um, with a with the screen and all of the corn kernels are sitting on there germinating. I mean, so oh, wow. she's really um, that's an enormous task. It was yeah, so it was like massive. Yeah, yellow, white, and burgundy yep. kernels. Non- <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're really. I mean, there are so many of distillers today that, that really are placing great importance on using local grains. Um, there are certainly economic incentives to doing that. Also, in Washington State, Washington State has the, lo- the last time I checked, they had the largest number of craft distillers in the country, and a lot. And there are incentives in Washington State to use Washington State corn. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe that that might even be required that you use a portion of it. I'm not sure, but. Um, well, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I and I believe New York State also has similar incentives to using um, Kings County Distillery. Yeah. They're using um, that's here in Brooklyn. They're using a, a New York State corn as well as a Scottish barley in their moonshine. Well, it sounds like something that has lived on and indeed from, from old timey <laughs> yes. corn days. Yes. Um, let's cut to a little musical interlude. Um, Excellent. This is uh, Dolly Parton. of a man for disobeying the laws of the land folks say that my daddy wouldn't fit to kill oh and i know it was true what the people said cause we'd all have been better off dead than to live a life of shame and strife cause of daddy's moonshine still and my mama was always sweet and kind but she grew old for her time Worrying about the way we had to live Yeah, my daddy put the wrinkles in my mama's face He drunk his share of all he made And just one more reason I grew to hate My daddy's moonshine skill 
Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting-edge education to future chefs, restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef Story. Check out our ICC website at InternationalCulinaryCenter.com. All right, we're back with author Jamie Joyce about her new book, Moonshine, A Cultural History of America's Infamous Liquor. And that was just Daddy's Moonshine Still by Dolly Parton. Yes. In writing this book, I there are so many songs about moonshine. <laughs> and I for inspiration, I would I put together this playlist for myself that sometimes I just need really needed to rock out a little bit. <laughs> there seems to be a lot yeah. of songs. Yeah. There are a lot of songs about moonshine, absolutely. Um, so I put in the book, I've got a playlist of 10 of them, but there's lots more out there, and I'm sure oh listeners probably have some of their own favorites on here, but I love Daddy's Moonshine still, Dolly Parton. I'll, I'll include a little list in our write-up on the Please on the, do. Uh, yeah. Excellent. So when, every time somebody listens in, nice. they can... Get inspired and hear another Great. track. Metallica is kind of rocking oh, really? one, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's funny because a lot of these like colorful characters throughout this book, oh, yeah. people who are moonshiners or people yeah. making moonshine, have um, you know just a lot of personality. And is that? And they have funny names too. There's like <laughs> a guy named Punch. Uh, then there's old Mag Brown. Oh yeah. And um, do you think that this is like due to the somewhat risky and illicit nature? They're sort of kind of like fringe. Well, they're definitely risk takers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One of my favorite characters in the book, and, and that's what I wanted to do, is really draw real characters to be able to mm-hmm. t- tell stories about people, not just sort of this dry history of, well, here's what we tell you about well, moonshine. Well, it's not dry but, at all. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> but I really wanted to tell stories about people, and one of my absolutely favorite characters, her name is Willie Carter Sharp. Okay. And she was what's called a whiskey tripper. Okay. And so this is in Franklin County, Virginia, and what and what her job was was she would drive the liquor. Mm. So she would pick up the bottle the cases of moonshine. A lot of times it would come in not the mason jars that we imagine today, it would come in these um, tin cans, sort of okay. like a rectangular shape so it would fit more easily into, you know, a box. Right. And so she would load up her car. This is in the thirties. She'd load up her car with moonshine and then transport it to different markets, different buyers, and she'd then lead a caravan of other drivers. She was the 
called the pilot car. Wow. So she'd do this, but she ended up being part of what was called the Moonshine Conspiracy Trial mm -hmm. in 1935. And when she testified in court, she totally dazzled everyone there because she had diamonds in her teeth. So this is like total mouth bling in 1935, and she was a badass. Um, she ended up, she had done prison time at Alderson Federal Prison, which many uh -huh. years later is where our friend Martha Stewart ended up doing time. Oh my so gosh. there's such a great connection here. So how could you not tell that story, Kathy? I mean, it had to be included. So... That is so That is fun. Willie Carter Sharp. Willie yes. Carter Sharp. Mm -hmm. God bless her. Oh, yeah. She was the designated whiskey driver. <laughs> she was. <laughs> or moonshine driver. And you, so I you, keep saying whiskey. Well, but. it is whiskey. Okay. I mean, absolutely. You're not good. wrong. So That's good. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> moonshine. Yeah. Although it is funny because you mentioned, you know, she was the designated driver. Mm -hmm. when, a lot of the, when I talked to, we were talking before we started recording about Junior Johnson, a very yes. famous NASCAR driver. And, and I said, well, did you have a favorite liquor that you, well, we can talk more about it. But he no, said, yeah. he said, well, I, I don't drink. I, I, I drive fast cars. Fast cars and liquor don't mix. So, so, so Junior clear. Johnson, he's the owner, founder of what is now the biggest, the most popular moonshine distillery. Junior Johnson is a partner in Piedmont Distillers in mm -hmm. North Carolina, and the product, that, one of the products that they make, is Junior Johnson's Midnight Moon, mm -hmm. and that is based on his family's moonshine recipe. Right, and his dad was a moonshine maker, mm -hmm. and so young Junior dropped out of school in eighth grade at fourteen years old. He was the one driving, just like Willie Carter Sharp. You had Junior Johnson in North Carolina delivering all this moonshine. And so in order to be a whiskey tripper, the driver, you need to learn how, you need to be able to drive fast and you need to be really skilled at outrunning revenue agents. And he was a pro. Of course. So he never got caught doing that. He did get caught later when he, he won a big race, the Altamont Schenectady Raceway in, in uh upstate New York and he came back one night and very early in the morning his father asked him to fire up the stills mm -hmm. and so young junior probably all of 22 at that point something like that goes out fires up the stills in the morning and finds that he's surrounded by what he, he told me it was 18 revenue agents mm -hmm. and that was it for him and he ended up getting sent to Chillicothe Ohio to prison federal prison for okay. um, spent did 11 months Got out, went right back into racing and moonshining. And he became a big-time NASCAR driver. <laughs> he became and a big-time NASCAR driver. He's in the NASCAR yeah. Hall of Fame, inaugural class of inductees, um, and now... And now the maker of, like, the best-selling moonshine. Exactly. In the so that is the success story right that's, there. That's so funny. And what about, like, the nouveau, kind of, like, next-generation mm -hmm. moonshiners? Um, yeah. You mentioned Kings County Distillery. Absolutely. And that was uh, the first distillery in Brooklyn since Prohibition. You bet, yeah. Those guys are so great. They were really helpful in writing this book also, you know, so generous with their time and talking to me about what they were doing and, and their history, how they got started. Um, so I think that, um, you know, here are some people who, Colin Spolman from Kings County, you know, start, and, mm -hmm. and David Haskell started out by making moonshine in their apartment. Right. Um, and this became something that, hey, man, maybe we should start a business out of this. And I just love their story because Colin's a guy from Kentucky, comes up to Brooklyn and, and brings this, um, you know, Kentucky tradition with him here up north and then ends up opening this distillery that's located in the Brooklyn Navy Yard. 
and he tells terrific stories and I've got some of these stories in the book too about how that whole area around the Brooklyn Navy Yard was home to many many illicit distillers That's in the right. 1800s you know the old Irish town oh, yeah. that had yeah. the ill-fated yep. sort of rebellion against <laughs> yes. the, again tax collectors yeah. trying to tax their moonshine and whiskey and, and yeah. booze and I, I think it's so interesting because when most people think about moonshine you think about the south Mm. And in fact, it was going on in New- in Brooklyn, in New York City, in-, in Boston. There were moonshiners. There were moonshiners during Prohibition in Los Angeles, um, mm-hmm. in Washington State. I mean, there were people all over. All over. Yeah, definitely. Well, it was exciting. It's definitely coming back. Um, who'd have thought? I mean, I <laughs> now we have distilleries in- throughout Brooklyn yep. um, making moonshine too. Absolutely. I think Van, Van Brunt still yep. has. Van Brunt still Brunt has, has one. Does. Yep, absolutely. I think it's white. Some Something white light? Um, I, I think know. they just call it. Oh gosh, I, I, I shouldn't say for sure because I'm. It's not coming instantly to mind. That's okay. But um, but, but yeah, so many places across the country are putting out either what they're calling it either a moonshine or a white dog, depending on kind of the who they want to appeal to and, and what tradition you know. But they're all mm-hmm. in that tradition for sure. And I think it, I mean it's great because they must have overcome so many hurdles with like the perception of this sort of rough, yeah. um, unrefined sort of. Whiskey. Well, I'm, um, I'm glad you say that though, because yeah. there because you can choose. I mean, there's there's not a government designation for moonshine. You don't. Mm, it, there's nothing. Insane. There's no classification for that. that. No. And in fact, I think a lot of distillers who choose to call it moonshine, you're drawing upon that rich history. You you're draw you use that name because of the things that it conjures, or the things that you think about of, of illegality and um, illicit distilling at night. So it sort of has and that sex songs, appeal to it. Yeah. The music. Exactly. The legacy. And yep. tell me, what have you seen any other instances of the music le- legacy of <laughs> Moonshine coming back? Well, yes, like, actually. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is... Um, I, I tell people this a lot that I have, um, as I was writing the book, I had a Google alert um, for anything, any references to moonshine or whiskey that would yeah. come up. So I'd get alerts and, um, and I still have it. I just, you know, as I'm talking yeah. about the book, I still, I still keep this up and running. Um, but the thing that comes up constantly, I mean, I can always count on at least once a day, I get a Google alert for moonshine and it's Brad Paisley, <laughs> moonshine in the trunk. He's got a new album out. So, <laughs> Which I'll admit I haven't listened to yet. Okay, I should. Maybe we could also put that on our playlist. I think we should. Yeah, it is an evocative name, and you're right. It definitely sums up this rich history that we have with distilling. Yes. So thank you so much for writing it. My and pleasure. And educating <laughs> us about moonshine. And hopefully next time we meet, we'll get to drink some. Wonderful. <laughs> thanks for having me. It's really thanks fun. so much. <laughs> and thanks, everyone at Heritage. We'll see you next week on Eat Your Words. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.